The following is a Voices of Experience Encore show that aired originally on October 30th, 2018. Now, Voices airs Tuesday afternoons at 4.30 p.m. and again Friday afternoons at 1.30 p.m. If you're thinking about going into business for yourself, visit VoicesOfExperience.com and take a self-employment quiz. In the quiz, there are 20 questions. It takes about five minutes or so. And the higher you score on the quiz, the higher your prospects for success. For example, there's one question that asks whether you are organized or not. Now, why is that important? Well, it's critically important because time is your most precious commodity. And the better you use your time, the higher your prospects for success. Where do you score on that? One, not being organized at all. Ten, just being the most organized person on the planet. Well, there's very few ones or tens, but where do you fall in between there? Do you execute what you set out to do? I mean, an idea is worth nothing, but when you come up with something, do you get it done? Again, those are all critical to the success of small business. My name is Paul Casey, and I host and produce Voices of Experience. So if you want to give me a call, you can do so at 206-459-5536. 206-459-5536. Again, if you want to think about self-employment, you're thinking about it seriously, I suggest you take the self-employment test and go to voicesofexperience.com. Welcome to this edition to Voices of Experience. My name is Paul Casey, your host and producer, and along with Eric Ryder, who'll be working the board today as always, he'll be stitching everything together. The theme of today's show is Outrunning the Pace of Change. an interview about 20 years ago with the former governor of Washington State, Dan Evans, and U.S. Senator. I listened to the interview just a few weeks ago just to refresh my mind as to what I was talking to him about at the time, and I will play some of the comments a little bit later as to what he said, because he talked about the future of Seattle and Washington State. How close was he to being accurate? Because again, this was 20 years ago, and he was projecting out 20 years, and let's see how close he came to where we're at right now with some of his concerns and and where we were at at the time. You'll have to stay with us to find out. That will be coming up in just uh, in about 10 minutes or so. Rick Stanton, advertising guru in the Puget Sound region for many, many years, will be with us in just a few moments. We're going to be talking about sports broadcasters for baseball and football. What makes a great sports broadcaster? And what irritates Rick about some of the broadcasters we have locally now? 
Now, if you don't care about sports broadcasting per se, I'm going to expand the conversation as to why maybe you should care. And particularly if you're in communications, you can learn a lot from sports broadcasters. And we're going to talk about that again coming up in just a few moments. Rick will be on the air. Also today, Gary Bros, CEO of Fleetfoot Messenger Service. He has a very long history of entrepreneurship in Seattle. He wrote a book called Express Exec, a novel approach to outrunning the pace of change. I stole that from his byline there to put that into the theme of today's show. Again, outrunning the pace of change. If you've been listening to this show for any length of time, you know that I'm a big fan of Bill Maher, and I often play clips from his show real time. In light of the uh, pipe bombing fiasco and the synagogue murders in Pittsburgh, I'm going to replay a partial clip from New Rules segment, Conspiracy Theories, and really how damaging they are. Hopefully you've received your ballots in the midterms or for the midterms and uh, get them in the mail by next Tuesday, a week from today, or your vote will not count. There's absolutely no excuse not to vote. I mean, you can do it from your desk, put it in the mailbox, and now even the postage is paid for. So please, by all means, vote. Back with my interview in just a few moments with Gary Bros. You're listening to Voices of Experience with Paul Casey. Visit VoicesOfExperience.com and take a five-minute self-employment quiz. That's VoicesOfExperience.com. The higher you score on the quiz, the higher your prospects for success. One more time, visit VoicesOfExperience.com. All one word. Gary, welcome. Paul, I'm how so are you doing? I'm so glad you're here. I am so pleased you have made it. Um, found out last time I talked to you, you were running for mayor. <laughs> and yes. uh, now that you ended quickly. are back into the entrepreneurial mode. Absolutely. And so glad to hear that you did complete your book, Express Exec, A Novel Approach to Outrunning the Pace of Change. Uh, I stole your subtitle of the book for the theme of today's show. Oh, cool. That's okay. Yeah, you bet. Clarence will do that. I admitted it. So um, I admit I haven't read the book, but I want to find out all about it. Now, Larry Kaufman, who's uh, very close to me, has tremendous things to say about the book, and Larry is not really liberal with his comments on a lot of things unless he really believes it. And that's what I say about Larry, and he feels this is a must-read. It's a page-turner. So tell me about the book, and and it's literally a novel, I guess. But anyhow, tell me about the book and how you came about uh, writing it. Well, and, and basically I'm feeling as a business owner that I'm kind of overwhelmed by the pace of change myself. And I've seen all these situations where I've had it in the past, and I see other people having to make radical or significant change in a very short period of time with their business. And that's really hard to do because basically, you know, what the real is, the reality is, is everybody hates change, right? That's Nobody true. likes it. That's true. It's not a fun thing. And so they'll fight you. They, I'm talking about the employees. They don't fight you overtly, but they, they struggle, right? And they don't really want to do the change. So in order to make change, you have to approach the whole problem differently. So I thought, well, all right, I'd like to write a book about that because I learned some things. And so I outlined it, and then I looked over the outline, and I go, wow, this is dry and boring. And I, and I said, I wouldn't read this book. So I wrote it as a novel instead. So it tells a story, right? People have learned about from things about uh, 
about everything in life uh, by stories uh, for years and generations, right? No, no question. So I wrote it as a novel. It tells the story. There's the good guys and the bad guys, and there's the employees fighting back against management, and then sometimes working with them. And that's the way it can work. And I just walk through the reader through the process and through the uncomfortable conversations with the employees. And that's so that's really where the, the focus is, is on like management to employees and how you adapt change or things like that. That's the major focus? It is, and, and mostly it's, it's that you, I, my conclusion from my own experience is you can't make major change by yourself. I mean, you have to get everybody on board, and and that's what I write about, and I try to explain the process that I've already learned through trial and error, you know, mostly the error part, right? Mm-hmm. Sure. And um, it works fine. It, it, once you get people working with you and are tied into the opportunity to make some extra money or gain something out of the change, then it starts coming together. So this is just more than technology. The change that certainly contributes a lot to it. But nonetheless, it, whatever, because you've been in business, what, 35 years now? Uh, more? Almost 40. 40, okay. So you've seen enormous change in your business. And is the change different now than it was 40 years ago? Is it, or is it pretty much the same, but you have to bring people along even 40 years ago as it is compared to today? Well, it comes at you faster now, is my experience. And so my, one of the things I write about is you need to just be a little more nimble. And, and especially in small business and medium-sized business, the advantage you have over big corporations is that you can make decisions relatively fast and put them into action, whereas big corporations are still sitting together at the, the committee tables. Sure. So, it takes a long time to roll things so out. So you, you, you abdicate that uh, advantage if you don't kind of gear yourself for being able to move fairly quickly. In order to do that, you really have to have the employees working with you. So the book is Express Exec, a novel approach to outrunning the pace of change. I don't want to let you go yet, but how do you get the book? Uh, it's everywhere. I like to think that. It's on Amazon, Barnes & Noble. It's, it's on all kinds of uh, uh, digital ebook sites. Um, uh, you know, if you, if you go in and just search on the name Express Exec, you should see it popping up on whatever site you're on. Okay, that's great. And how about even Gary Bros? You can input that. They can put my name in if they like to. If they can spell it right, they're, they're good. It's B-R-O-S-E. Right. Express exact. So what is the biggest takeaway that you have after you were done with the book? Did you change anything being kind of, when I write a book or do some things like that, I get out of and look at it at 30,000 feet, and then you have the book done, and do you find now that you are doing things much differently with the uh, your business now? Uh, you know, no, mostly I'm writing about what I've already done. And so it's not really affecting my business this now, except that I'm more in tune and aware of the fact that, you know, as I was writing it, I'm going, oh, yeah, you know, this makes more sense in the sense that, obviously, you have to get the team together first before you start taking the first couple of steps. And some of those things kind of crystallized for me, but I knew them anyway without really thinking them out. I just didn't really think so much about it until after I finished writing the book, and I go, yeah, yeah, okay, that's what the process is. Have you so, found that some employees, uh, certainly not fits, one size fits all, that when some people don't buy in, it's easier that they fall out of, um, let's say, your company or things like that on their own when you go through this process? It becomes very obvious that they don't have a future there? Well, I- inevitably, 
you know, the, the truth is sooner or later some people need to move on anyway. And, and when, you, when you build the team and you have people that don't want to jump in and participate and be part of it, um, it becomes pretty obvious to them, too, that maybe they should be looking for something else. And it's not a, it shouldn't be considered, uh, uh, viewed as a toy or a system for trying to get rid of people. It's just that some people will choose to make that decision for themselves because they'll see the handwriting on the wall. So this book is really targeted towards managers, business owners, and whom else? Yeah, really middle managers, people, anybody who's managing any number of people uh, in a business, um, business owners certainly, and particularly small and medium-sized companies that are more likely to embrace change and give it a try and do things that, that are different from what they did before, and they have to because everything keeps changing. And you have to keep pace. So, yes, it's it's for them, and it's also I like to think for some maybe some students coming out of the UW with BA, uh, you know, business administration uh, majors, mm-hmm. um, ready to go out in the real world. Okay. And it wouldn't hurt to be a primer for that. Well, good, uh, Gary. Thank you for this, uh, Gary Bros. We've been talking to again a serial entrepreneur in the Seattle area for forty years. I was pretty close, but forty years. And uh, Express Exec, a novel approach to outrunning the pace of change, and Gary says it's everywhere. I'm going to get a copy of it and read it. Either I'll talk about it or have you back after I get through it. But I'm excited. I know you were talking about this book, and I'm glad it got out there. One of the things I always talk about is that when you have an idea, it means nothing unless you execute, and you execute. So that's great. Thanks, Paul. Look forward to talking to you again. All right. Thank you, Gary. So you're listening to Voices of Experience, and we're going to have another guest coming up in just a few moments. But uh, actually, we'll probably go to a break right now and uh, then come back with an interview I had with Governor, former Governor Daniel J. Evans 20 years ago. I think our biggest problem over the next 20 years or so is going to be handling the huge number of people who will seek to come here. Uh, Washington State and Seattle as its biggest city are now well known internationally. Uh, it's, we're not just a sleepy little uh, northwest uh, backwater. Uh, and, uh, and Seattle has sort of become a, uh, a new favorite uh, city in the minds of many people, both here and abroad. And I think we're gonna have a tough time. Nationally, a country much more diverse than it is today. And we're going to have to pay a whole lot of attention to how we assimilate and, and how we work together uh, in, a, in an increasingly diverse nation and keep the strengths and the drive that we've had up to now. That was uh, former Governor Daniel J. Evans. And again, that was from 20 years ago. And he certainly cited the growth problems we're going to experience going forward, all of the challenges that we have. And we're right smack in the middle of that. What struck me is I could have had that interview with him last week. Again, he was a great governor and a great United States senator. He did share with me in the interview that he really enjoyed being governor, not so much a United States senator, but uh, we can talk about that some other time because Rick Stanton has joined us, and he is on the line now. And uh, again, I mentioned that Rick has been a guru in marketing for this community for many years, and he's with us to talk about sports broadcasting today and... uh, yesterday particularly, what makes for a great sports broadcaster. Rick, welcome. Hi, Paul. How are you? I'm great. 
Uh, I read your, I read your articles frequently on Marketing Northwest, and uh, this one jumped out at me again. A lot of them do because what I like about your columns is that you don't have to say to yourself, what does he really think? What does Rick really feel about this issue? And this one, and I mentioned to you just a few days ago, I'm kind of a sports broadcaster junkie. I kind of think if I had nine lives, that's what I would have done at some point. And I kind of agree with you in many ways about some of the grace that you called out and how they really did it. Can you explain that? Well, you know, I, I grew up uh, in in the 50s and, and as a kid and and certainly in the early 60s. And one of the things I was fortunate to be able to be exposed to uh, were the likes of broadcasters, and particularly in baseball, like Mel Allen and Harry Carey and Lindsey Nelson and, you know, uh, the likes. And there was an amazing sensibility that they all shared, even though their styles were different. They all made the game more important than they were. They let the game come to them. I don't think there's a, a, a sports uh, venue uh, other than baseball that's more uh, appropriate for radio than baseball. Um, if you think about the timing of the game, the, the, the months and the year that it occurs, um, the, the adages about sitting on the porch you know, with a glass of lemonade or whatever your favorite beverage was and, and listening to your favorite baseball sportscaster, there was a, a magic that almost brought you to the stadium. And they had the, you know, those, those older sportscasters had the ability to tell a story and to do that. Hey, Rick, can I just interject here something right now? You sent to me something, or I looked at it, and it was Vince Scully, and I took a little piece of that broadcast where he was getting interviewed about some of just what you talked about. That's why I wanted to interject here. Could you play that um, right now for a second, Eric? I think when I first started, uh, I tried to make believe I was in the ballpark sitting next to somebody and just talking. And if you go to a ball game and you sit there, you're not going to talk pitches for three hours. You know, there's a running conversation, not necessarily the game. So that's all a part of what, what I try to do, as if I'm talking to a friend. Yeah. Rick, back to you. When you said about sitting on a porch, he said in the interview that you sent to me, essentially that you're in the ballpark, he pictured himself as a fan sitting next to somebody and having a conversation. You're not having statistics all the time. What do you think? Exactly. I, you know, I think there's a magic about, you know, it, I, I'm, I don't want to get into a get-off-my-lawn deal here, but, you know, I probably will verge on it. You know, it's interesting when you look at all the concerns that uh, current-day Major League Baseball has about the audience and how do we get millennials involved and, you know, so on and so forth. The game's the game. And if they want to start changing the game, so there's two outs an inning, there's only seven innings, um, you know, uh, whatever cockamamie things they come up with to make the game faster and more uh, uh, appealing to people that have the attention span of a gnat. Um, I, I think it's really an unfortunate development in Americana because the game's the game. And if you don't like the deliberacy of it, if you don't like the fact that it's a, it's a, it's a saga as opposed to a commercial in a three-hour radio broadcast, um, I'm going to find it very difficult to support anything that changes that because the bottom line is baseball is baseball. 
I think the greats had the ability to put the game and the players before themselves. And one of the things I have a real problem with here locally, and uh, especially since Mr. Niehaus left us in his halcyon days when he was at his very best, his very, you know, his Hall of Fame very best, what we have now between walk-up music, hydroplane races, um, all the other cacophony that takes place during a baseball game, and then listening to it on the radio, you have people in this in this market, and I don't know if it's the same in others, I can only assume it is, that want to talk about everything other than the game. They want to talk about what color uniforms they're, they're wearing. They want to talk about, I mean, it doesn't, it, the specifics don't matter. The, the broadcasters have drifted away from the ability to tell the story that is the game that day to either self-aggrandizement, how can I get to my next gig, or how can my voice in these three hours be the most important part of your listening experience, and it's really disconcerting to me. Well, you're right. It's kind of a lost art, and uh, you cited some greats. Mel Allen, New York, when I was living there, when I was a really young kid, I used to have the transistor radio going to bed to him at night, and his voice was always there, and he captured Yankee Stadium for me, and I, when I walked into it, it was a cathedral. It was amazing, but I kind of knew what it would look like, but it wasn't in color. Hey, Rick, I have to run today because it's all too short, but I would love to have you back on this subject and others as we go forward. This has just been fascinating, and I'm glad you brought this to the attention because I really think we need to talk about this more. And the fact is that in the background that you have and I have, I think this really applies to presentations all over the place, but we kind well, of run out of time today. I was fortunate to play baseball all the time from Little League through college, and um, if I don't know anything else, I know a little bit about the game, and I think people ought to honor it a little more than they do and leave it alone. Got it. Good advice, Rick. Thank you very much for being here. You bet. It was Rick Stanton, and we have Bill Maher coming up in just a moment. You're listening to Voices of Experience, and my name is Paul Casey. Listening to Voices of Experience with Paul Casey. Visit VoicesOfExperience.com and take a five-minute self-employment quiz. That's VoicesOfExperience.com. The higher you score on the quiz, the higher your prospects for success. One more time, visit VoicesOfExperience.com. All one word. Conspiracy theories have to go back to what they used to be. Fun little stories we would tell each other when we were high. (laughs) Space aliens crashed in Roswell. Hitler escaped to Argentina. Elvis is alive and working at the IHOP. (laughs) That's what conspiracy theories used to be. But now they're the ideology of the Republican Party. Because one way we measure the health of a society is by how conspiratorial it is. Communist countries, Arab dictatorships, those places you could always sell anything because there was no trust in the institutions. Republicans, that's what you're doing to this country. The only answer is that more sane people have to vote than insane people in every election. So tell your sane friends that the midterms are the most important election of their lives and tell your conservative friends that climate scientists are working with the Clintons to slip a chemical into the air ducts at polling places that will turn everyone who votes gay. Got it, everybody? Advice from Bill Maher, and that's from Real Time and HBO. It airs Friday nights. You know what? 
hard to believe that we're out of time. That's all the time we have. And uh, I want to thank Rick Stanton for being here, Gary Brose, Dan Evans from an interview I had from over 20 years ago. It's amazing, again, how timely his information was. But he was always and is always a great thinker. If you want to listen to any show for the last year and a half, you can Google KKNW, then click through to archives. At the bottom of the page, click on to Voices of Experience, and you have arrived at the right place. You can listen to past interviews that include former host of NPR, Robert Siegel, All Things Considered. Another couple of shows I did in homelessness several weeks ago, which included a visit to the Bread of Life Mission in Seattle's Pioneer Square, Chicken Soup for the Soul author and entrepreneur Mark Victor Hansen, and the two congressional candidates for Congress, Lisa Brown from the Spokane area and Kim Schreier, congressional candidate from the 8th District. All of those people are very much in need of your support. I mean, Washington State, if we can get three congressional Democrats elected, we can swing the House in the Democrats' way, or towards the Democrats. And I really think, no matter how you feel about politics, it's really important now that we put a check on the current administration, if nothing else. So again, I urge you to get your ballot in the mail and vote for these candidates. I was very impressed with them. I was kind of pessimistic about going into this event, but I found them to be very strong candidates, and they can win their races, and they are very tight. So anything you can do, call your cousin in Vancouver, Washington, for um, Catherine Long, Spokane, for Lisa Brown, and of course for Dr. Schreier in the 8th Congressional District. that originally aired on October 30th, 2018. I'd like to thank Gary Brose and former Governor Dan Evans and Rick Stanton for appearing on that show. But of course, uh, Dan Evans, I played an interview on that day from an interview again I had with him 20 years ago. Pretty amazing how close he was to projecting his concerns of the future that have really turned into reality, and that is about growth. And uh, he saw that coming a long, long time ago. Now, this show aired again just before the election, and uh, I interviewed Lisa Brown from Spokane, who was a congressional candidate over there, and Dr. Kim Schreier, who uh, ran in the 8th District. Well, I went one for one in my interviews. Lisa Brown lost in Spokane, but I hope she'll be back for another run at it. And Dr. Kim Schreier, of course, did win in the 8th District. Catherine Long was at the event. I did not get a chance to interview her, but unfortunately, she lost a very close election. So I'm hopeful she'll be back again. Now the Democrats have a 40-seat majority in the House of Representatives. I said, I think, in this encore show that it would be really good if the Democrats could take the House because uh, it could be a check on the Trump administration and the Republicans as a whole. And that has been accomplished. So let's put our seatbelts on and as we go forward in the new year. My name is Paul Casey, your host and producer. Have a great rest of the week.